Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax, before we start today's episode, I want to tell you about a wonderful little art book created by women for women that packs a big punch. It's called Know You're Crazy. And let's face it, we all have our own crazy. And in this beautiful collection of Vivian Beauchera's art prints, her little mad women as she calls them, art comes to life in the most delightful and relatable way. Learn more at knowyourcrazy.net. I'm Cheryl Benton, and welcome to this very special episode of the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour. Actually, an episode that is from a live event. You can also find it on YouTube. And it was a absolutely wonderful celebration of Women's History Month. And it is so inspiring and empowering and very entertaining. You'll hear some great music that we also wanted to share it on our podcast. And by the way, you can find the uh, video episode at our website at the3tomatoes.com slash embrace your crazy, and then you'll be able to see the video as well. So I know you'll enjoy, so listen in. We're, we're going to be honor, honoring women and definitely all of the crazy women today who are really groundbreakers and we are going to make crazy less, less crazy. So let me tell you a little bit about what we mean by crazy. So first of all, hysteria and crazy has been applied to women for centuries, you know, kind of really as a way to put us in our place or put us down. And in fact, in the late 1850s, when the women's um, rights movement was, uh, was just getting started, let me just let a couple more people in, um, they were thought to have hysteria, which was actually a medical condition. It was thought of them. We're gonna hear more about that later too. And then fast forward in 1995, Ariana Huffington, when she, when she started to tell people about the new media uh, property she was gonna start, there were many in the media business who thought she was crazy. And then fast forward a little more, and there is a scientist who na whose name is Catalin Carrico, and she was researching a substance. Um, and actually, if you're on, I'm just gonna ask you to, to mute if anybody is, uh, not muted if you can just do that because I could hear a little background noise. So that would be terrific. So she was actually researching a substance at a major university in the US. And she was told it was a really crazy idea and she persisted. And then they gave her a smaller lab as a little punishment and she still persisted. And then they actually fired her. And fortunately she continued to persist 
and didn't mind at all being called crazy because the substance she was working on was mRNA and that led to two of the major vaccines that we have today. So women who make history have actually always been thought of as a little crazy. And now we wanna start off with the video that we all really like and it's about crazier. If we show emotion, we're called dramatic. If we dream of equal opportunity, we're delusional. When we're too good, there's something wrong with us. And if we get angry, we're hysterical, or rational, or just being crazy. But a woman running a marathon was crazy. Officials tried to pull her off the course. A woman boxing was crazy. A woman dunking, coaching an NBA team, landing the impossible, or winning 23 Grand Slams, having a baby, and then coming back for more? Crazy, 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 and crazy. So if they want to call you crazy, fine. Show them what crazy can do. Well, that's so great. And that's the kind of crazy women that we are talking about today. And I really, it's a wonderful commercial from Nike. And by the way, they are not sponsoring this event, although I truly wish they were. And if they would like to at some time in the future, that would be wonderful. So now I want to introduce you to the fabulous women I have joining me today. And I want to start first with the Know You're Crazy team, and you'll, you'll hear more about them. But we have Vivian Boshara, who is a visual artist and a musician from London. And she's waving. And then we have Cindy De Silva. She is an artist manager who represents rock groups, including the Zombies. And there is actually a connection here with all of them, which you'll hear about. And Renee Harbinson is the head of a Texas-based production and consulting company. And together, they have created this wonderful, powerful little art book that has a very big message and it's becoming a movement and you're gonna be hearing a lot more about this book and the movement too. Then we have our friend, Dr. Robbie Ludwig. She's been a great friend of the Free Tomatoes for many years. In fact, I was just thinking today, Robbie, our last, I think our last live event, remember those people was our renewal summit, which we do every spring. Last year it was virtual. But the last live one, um, you were our keynote speaker. So Dr. Robbie is a nationally known psychotherapist. She's an award-winning reporter. She's um, appeared on broadcast media since 1997. I know you've all seen her in so many different places. And she is very sought out for her psychological insights on a wide range of topics. And then my last guest today, is Maya Azucena. She is a magnetically inspired woman. She is known for making music that uplifts the soul and also for her humanitarian outlook and projects around the globe, which include a special focus on women's and youth empowerment and also around domestic and sexual violence. So thank you ladies for being here today to celebrate Women's History Month. So I wanna start with our Know You're Crazy team. 
And um, today's event is actually inspired by their book called Know You're Crazy. And it features 61 images that were created by Vivian. Vivian, I'm gonna actually put you into the spotlight now. <laughs> and you call, you, you call these your little mad women. And you've been creating them for many, many years. So tell us, tell us about the Mad Women first. Hello, everybody, um, and thank you for inviting us, Cheryl. Um, yes, I've been doing these drawings for decades, um, and really, they've been my own personal therapy. Um, I'm sure Dr. Robbie will know. Visualizing anything that might be bugging you it, it's not a new it's not a new idea um but i've been making these drawings since my late teens early 20s um and they felt like externalizing um, the little mad women that were running around my head but had nowhere to go um, and i found that once they were on paper i could get a little bit of distance from them and get a bit of perspective and either just have a laugh at them and forget them or maybe realize that I need to take it action on something or have a chat with somebody. Um, but you know, this is, this is how they've developed through the years. A lot of them get thrown away and they're in all sorts of mediums there and there's watercolors and inks and prints and collages and cutouts and makeup sticks, whatever's to hand really. And some of them get the pictures. Well, we love we love them and they're absolutely brilliant. And as you said, you've been creating them for many, many years, but it actually took a visit to your studio by Sydney that started to spark this as a creative endeavor. So Cindy, tell us the story of how this came about. And Sydney, you have to unmute. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about how. Never mind. Anyway, um, yeah, I was visiting Viv uh, because she also happens to be married to one of my clients. Um, Chris White is her husband, who is one of the original zombies. Um, and so we we ended up touring together. We ended up she 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 was singing background vocals for us on a tour, and she and I became friends. And and all I brought her in to do some art for. Um, the zombies book that we put out in 2016, 15, something, I don't know. Anyway, um, we ended up collaborating on that and her work was so beautiful. Um, so actually we were gonna come in and do some more things together. And I was at her studio and suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I caught this piece of art and it just was like, what is that? And she said, that's, um, that's one of my mad women. And I go, what do you mean? And she said, well, that's bad hair day. and as a woman, I mean, my hair is everything. It's it's my it's it's one of those things. And bad it's, hair day. It's on the cover of the book too. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I knew all about that. You know, um, you you go to a show in the morning. It, you know, I'm there all day. So I'll start off with a good hair day, and by the end of the night, I'm like, <laughs> and then you know, your confidence kind of goes out the window. All kinds of things happen. So I said to myself, Oh wow, this is really great. And she said. Well, let me show you some others. And as she's showing them to me and we're like laughing and talking and everything, I just immediately thought, 
this is great. If I feel it immediately, then I know that other women are going to feel this as well. And it's a great conversation starter, you know? And so I thought, I said to her, I said, we have to make a book. And she goes, book, really? And I'm like, yeah, we have to make a book. And I said, it, and it needs to be something that's accessible. Maybe, you know, we, we started talking about sizes and stuff and we wanted it to be like this little thing that you could just pick up any time of the day and kind of scroll through and go, okay, this is what's bothering me today kind of thing, you know? Um, but that's kind of where it sat. And she put a mock-up together and like, you know, it was in the back of my mind and I was so busy with all the stuff with bands and, 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 and managing, you know, and touring and everything. And it wasn't really moving forward until I went to Austin and I had lunch with my good friend, Renee. And I said to her, I said, you know, we just, it's funny because we tend to talk a lot but not really get to certain things. So like we talked a lot about many things, but we never said, hey, Renee, what do you actually do for a living? You know, and we never got to that. And I mean, I knew in the back of my head that she did marketing for companies and she produced things, but that was about it. And so when I started telling her about Viv's Mad Women and how I wanted to make a book, she was like, I do that. I can help you. So I'll pass well, it off to Renee. Yeah. So then you brought Renee in. So we now have the trio involved in this. So Renee, tell us how you felt when you first saw the images and why they resonate with you so much and why you wanted to get involved with this project. Yes. Thanks, Cheryl. Um, so I first saw the images in London, in Viv's studio. Cindy and Viv and I were all there. Cindy had gotten married in the UK and we had planned to meet back up in London a few days later, which we did so that I could see Viv's art. And because I work in marketing and design and art, I, I live by the old theory that great design and great art should stun you a little bit. It should really take you back and just make you think if it's really good, you should go, wow, wow, you know, and, and just kind of stun you a bit and think about it. So as we were in her studio, I was looking, flipping through all of the pieces of art. They were off to the side visiting. And as Cindy said, they had talked about doing a little small handheld book, maybe that you could pick up at a grocery store, like you know, the diet books or something, this would be like emotions. And after I saw the art, I was like, you know, I need to think about this. I'm in, I am so all in this, but it needs to be something more. It needs to be bigger. And, and I talked to them about where, what demographic they wanted and what was the, you know, what was their idea and who did they want to, um, who did they want this to resonate with? And fortunately it's resonated way beyond that demographic, but, um, and then I took it and I we came back to Austin and, and studied on it and thought about it and talked to my team about it. And, and then we came up with a whole new kind of idea that I did in secret until I presented it back to Viv and Cindy again, months later at the Met in New York. So, and we can talk about 
that later when we talk about the book. Yeah, that's going to be so great. But this, the book itself, I mean, it's this beautiful little book, but it's produced on museum quality paper. Every image is just stunning. And now we're actually going to share some of the images with you, because what I did was I asked each one of our Know Your Crazy team to pick two of the images that really resonate with them and to tell us about them. And we're going to start with Vivian. Vivian, you're muted. You have to unmute. You'd be thinking I'd get used to this by now. <laughs> um, yes, um, this is one of my favorites, actually. I think it, it, as human beings, I think this is part of our makeup. Um, without it being a pun, I think it's anything stretching from using makeup um, to using any part of uh, any part of ourselves, any tool that we can use to interact in our daily situations. Um, it may be using makeup or it may be employing our inner actor to um, smooth over troubled waters or um, make a, an experience more pleasant or easier for people. Um, it's a sort of a fake it till you make it thing. It can be any situation that you're in, whether you're um, going for an interview or whether you're going on stage or whether you're just going out to meet new people or doing a Zoom or anything like that. You know, it's, it's what we present to the world. It's probably magnified a hundred times with social media, but um, it's part of us. It's part of our, sometimes it's armor, sometimes it's protection, um, sometimes it's a barrier but usually it's just to do with our interface. Um, this one tidying up, um, again, as I'm sure that Dr. Bobby will know, that it's not a new idea that as well as being a physical thing, I've certainly got a room like this where you shove everything in and turn off the light and close the door and everything piles in and piles on top of each other. You forget things, they're in there for years and years. Um, you forget they were ever there, but this is also a mental thing that we do, I think, with ourselves that we put into little discrete boxes in our brains and forget about them. Um, when the door opens for whatever reason or you open it yourself, um, there are usually a fair amount of things that you have to deal with. Uh, it can be pleasant, it can be unpleasant, um, but I think that this is our tidying up and it seems to be... Um, it's not only a female thing, of course, um, but I think that we understand, certainly on the physical terms, it's usually a, a, a female role, um, but it, our tidying up it within ourselves is a very individual thing. Well, that's great. And I think we're moving over now to Sydney's picks, right? This is my everyday horror, so to speak. <laughs> I think the list, you know, because we work with a UK band and we also work with a West Coast artist, you know, from morning to night, I'm constantly making notes and, and to-do lists and personal to-do lists and house to-do lists and um, business to-do lists. And you know, and you're currently, you're always like 
struggling and kind of going between lists and rechecking and and I find lists everywhere and I find that they're you know and and technology makes it 10 times worse because I think I look at those um, I write it down I forget about it I come back to it um but anyway it's 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 something we all struggle with or at least I struggle with and I think about it all the time and that is my inner mad woman today's to-do list is definitely and every once in a while I go through and I look at all the sticky notes and crumple them up and throw them away and get them out of my life or I'll find one thing on there that I still need to do and I'll rewrite that someplace else <laughs> that sounds very familiar Sydney I relate to this one too I have to say <laughs> my life um isolation this is a little bit more of a serious one that we're dealing with here um and I think about it be because um, it's so heightened right now um, in COVID. I mean, look, I happen to be high risk. So I've been super careful. I think I've left my property 20 times in the past year, if that. Um, I have everything delivered. Amazon is my best friend. Um, you know, the grocery store delivery thing is a beautiful thing. But you know, it, it can leave you feeling a bit alone. And you know, this can, it, isolation can be something where it can affect you no matter what your situation is. Um, or, you know, like you, you can find yourself isolated even with people around. However, um, seeing other human beings does help. So one of the things that we've done this, the past two semesters is we've actually hired eight interns and so seeing their smiling faces as they come into work every day kind of snaps me out of this one which is really nice um but i i feel like it's an important one to think about and talk about at this time because like i said we, it is such a heightened feeling right now during covid and and so i i just thought it was worth mentioning you know Sometimes you put up your own barbs, other times, you know, situations around you put them up, but like isolation is a serious matter. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you for sharing that, Sydney. And that's such an important topic, especially these days. Um, so now I want to move over to Renee. You're going to share a couple of your, your favorites, right? Yes. I, yeah. Um, I love seeing and unseen for a lot of reasons. But here we are celebrating Women's History Month. And I would venture to say that most women have felt this at some point in their life, all the way back to teenage years, where you walk in a room and you have something to say. And I'm a bit of a disruptor myself. So um, this happens to me where, where I am like thought of as crazy. And so it's like, just don't listen to her. <laughs> You know, so you get that unseen feeling. You're like, I think I just said something and nobody even heard what I said. And, and with that, um, we had a little, we have a little book club for this book. And this came up recently in a discussion unintentionally. And it was about how women are treated in the presence of men often in a boardroom, et cetera, to where what you have to say is a little bit unimportant or appears to be unimportant. So again, you're unseen. So 
this is obviously my interpretation of Bibb's art. It's always hard to do that because you know it it won't be what she what she was thinking, I'm sure. But um, and then the scene part is another one of the interpretations. Okay, that. good. Um, the scene part is just will kind of speak to my next image as well because I feel like you you have to be competent and sure. And when you walk out of your home as a female and you're looking good and you're feeling good and you're like, damn, I've got it going on today. I'm, I'm feeling good. And, and even if you're not seen, you feel like you are because so much of it comes from within um, and your security level and your confidence level, which can change at any hour or any day, you know, for various reasons. Um, and so Pam, if you go to the next one, I think it speaks to this. So we all need to just, you know, care for ourselves and, and feel seen, see ourselves and see our own crazy and know our own crazy and embrace it because we need ourselves to be able to walk out and be seen in whatever we may be doing any given day. Well, that's- at Viv's art. Yeah, that is so terrific. And I'm so glad that you all shared this and, and everyone um, here today, those are just four of the, or six of the 61 incredible images. And as you can see, I haven't, I don't know anyone who has not picked up this book and found something that has really resonated with them or spoke to them. And I know Vivian doesn't like to say the meetings because she wants, as an artist, she wants everyone to take what they're getting from it. And I and it and it's done this so well. But Vivian, did you ever expect the kind of response that you're getting around this book? And I know you're getting amazing press everywhere. So um, tell us a little bit about that and, and, um, and why do you think people are responding to the book? Well, it, it has been extraordinary. The feedback has been extraordinary. Um, if it wasn't for Cindy and Renee, this book wouldn't exist. I never had the intention of making a book. So the fact that it's out there is thanks to these two. Um, but the demographic has been quite surprising. I've heard from 14 year olds and 90 year olds. So that's quite wide. Um, when we first started on the project, I assumed that people who were sort of, um, well, post-menopausal like myself would uh, get it, look at any picture in there and get it. Um, and I knew that women would see funny things in it. Um, I had no idea how universal things would be until when Cindy picked it up and it, and it has become this thing. And like you say, it's become more than a book. It's becoming a bit more like a movement. Um, it's, it struck me that it's almost like, it, it's like a picture book for adults, I think. <laughs> because it's picture, it's sort of, jumps over all of the language barriers, even if even if we're speaking the same language, we're still trying to describe something that we're feeling and often those feelings don't have words. And so I think that um, just seeing a picture makes it simpler for people. And it has started off some great conversations that couldn't have been started off anyhow else. It's a very simplistic way of looking at it, I think, but, um, 
I think that's maybe what resonates with people is the simplicity. Yeah. And it definitely it taps into so many emotions that we've all felt. A lot of it is also our, our inner critic, which are going to be talking about that too. Women are, uh, <laughs> we are, we are, we really pick on ourselves a lot for sure. So now I want to move over to our psychotherapist, Dr. Robbie Ludwig to help us out with a little bit. So I'm so happy you're here, Robbie. So First of all, let's talk about the crazy thing and in terms of how it's been used for centuries to describe women. And as I mentioned earlier, hysteria even used to be a medical condition. So, and it had some crazy treatments too. I mean, crazy in the crazy sense treatment. So tell us a little bit about this and unmute first though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Oh, good. Yeah, I was doing some fascinating research on hysteria, and it was actually the first psychiatric diagnosis. And it goes back like in BC, where like even Plato was weighing in on what was causing female hysteria. And it comes from the Greek word, which is like, I wrote it down here because I don't speak Greek, um, but it's hysteria basically it's it's uterus so when you think about hysterectomy it comes from the root and the old thinking was that a female who was hysterical there was a medical issue with her womb that her womb was wandering all around her body creating this emotional and physical reaction. And I think we see it too historically and, and, and it still haunts us today when it comes to people choosing to go for therapy or to get psychiatric help, that there were two reasons for someone being in a hysterical state. Uh, it was either psychiatric, something medical, or it was demonic. And when you think about a lot of the witches that were killed and um, you know the, the awful deaths that they had to experience, probably a lot of them were having some kind of psychiatric illness that was misunderstood. And then over time, I just thought it was so interesting that Plato and I mean, these like really famous, um, you know, thought leaders thought that women's uteruses, it was almost personified, the uterus, the uterus would get sad when it couldn't meet with a male and produce a child. And um, so the woman would just have all of these uh, reactions and it wasn't until Freud. So I think at one point, it was both males would have it less commonly than women, but Freud really changed this idea and really saw someone, a woman who was hysterical as this being a female disorder that was related to not having enough sex, having too much sex. Um, and it was basically a psychosomatic disorder, which meant that people were having these physical symptoms that were not based on anything physical. It was based on their mind. And there was along the way, this pejorative idea where women were being judged as what they were experiencing was not really credible, was not really real. It was all in their head. 
And we obviously know since then that um, what goes on in our head is very powerful and it influences our body and that there is no separation between the two. And it wasn't really until 1980 that the historical the hysterical conversion was eliminated from the DSM-3. So they took out the first part in the 50s and then finally took it out in the 80s and feminists along the way wanted to reclaim this idea that the reason why women were quote unquote crazy is because they were being oppressed by society and culturally and weren't allowed to express themselves. So, I mean, I think it's just so interesting when we look at history and we look at how women are perceived. And I really do believe that women are so, so powerful. And we often don't recognize our power in the feminine energy. Um, we see men as being powerful. And I think um, over time, women try to embrace male traits to show that they were in fact powerful and successful. Mm -hmm. But women just being women is usually powerful. And I think men trying to see women in this hysterical state, um, it was a way for them to deal with their discomfort because women are give birth. You know, we, we are mothers. We are very powerful in terms of influencing the mood in the room and everyone around us. And this pejorative term, I think, is a way for women to internalize this self-marginalization where we don't really validate ourselves. And what happens when we don't validate ourselves and we don't validate our emotions, we do get sick. We do become depressed, more anxious, more isolated. And um, you know, if, if we look at this just in terms of, of now and women and how they experience their own feelings, I hope what they'll take away is, um, obviously it's not because of a wandering womb as thought by Plato <laughs> and other thought leaders at the time, but when we are not understood, being misunderstood is a really big trigger for us as women. And if we can find a way to connect with others and find that mutual validation and support, um, it's really life-changing in terms of our mental health. Well, Robbie, that is so great. And, and what a great history of hysteria too that you just took us through. And, <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, and I love that about not, not being misunderstood. And I think that's so important. And a lot of that too, I think, comes with this whole inner critic thing. And there's yes. several of the mad women in Vivian's book that really that really speak to that. And I think, there's probably, probably every one of its call has had that inner critic, you know, she kind of sits on your shoulder and she's sort of that mean girl or the bitch. And, you know, <laughs> she's like always putting you down. In fact, yes. I think my friend Deborah Goldstein is on here too. And, and she's talked about taming your inner critic and she actually gave hers a real name so that she can kind of talk to her and get her off the shoulder, which I love that idea. But what is it about, and I think it's women more than men, it seems to me, with that inner, what is it about that and how do we tame her? 
So we all have the inner critic. It's the part of our brain, the super ego, which is the judgy part of our, our brain that internalizes cultural ideas, internalizes messages that our parents sent us, how we experienced ourselves along the way. And it's a running commentary that in, in many ways is unavoidable. What I tell patients is that there's a lot of noise in our head and you can't believe everything you think and feelings are not facts. So that's number one. And there's been a new focus on cognitive therapy that basically gets us or encourages us to look at our thoughts and then to attack those thoughts and say, is this really true or is this an overreaction? What we know is that there is a negativity bias for all of us. And that happens in terms of what we view and what we watch. Sometimes what's negative is more compelling than what's positive. And the same is true within our own brain. We are designed to have this somewhat negativity set point in part because it helps us to survive. So it, it was designed to really help us uh, save ourselves. The problem is it, it often goes into an overreaction. And so we need to be able to identify what is our negative thoughts saying? Like what, what is it telling us? And, and of note, I think a lot of people are experiencing now this now because of the pandemic and we're sitting with ourselves and that is almost the worst thing you can do. You sit with yourself and you're just gonna find the negative. And if you look at the word illness, the main theme is I, right? There's the I in illness. And, and anytime you can't forget yourself, you're not gonna be in a good place. So I think it's important to understand the trigger. You know, what is triggering this negative thought? I'm not good enough. You know, what is triggering that? Does it come from messages you heard from your parents? Does it come from an own in, your own insecurity that you have about um, public speaking or uh, being, um, you know, considered adequate enough or, or uh, not getting the feedback that you actually needed? So to understand what's triggering you, because that can help you prepare yourself. So if you understand your triggers, you could say, oh, this negative thought was triggered by an experience I often had. I know this about myself now. And when I had this negative thought, I could look at it and say, okay, you don't feel good enough. It's a feeling, it's not a fact. What's your plan? So we can use these negative thoughts to help propel us forward or to keep us stuck. And really that's where the choice comes in. You know, how do you wanna use that feeling? Do you wanna say, thank you for sharing and I'm gonna stick with my plan? So what's your plan? And your plan is not to act on your feelings because if we just rely on our feelings, it doesn't work so well. AKA the diet that we rely on for you know, motivation to help us get through you know, all of those uh, lackluster recipes, it, it's bound to fail. So to make a plan, if you want to get better at something or be kinder to yourself, you have to create a plan that will help you to get to that place. So I, I think, I don't know if anyone has any questions, Cheryl, I don't want to just drone yeah. on and on. Yeah, that's but we a great, that's great, great advice. And I have, I, I do have one other thing that I want you to address because I think it's so important because today we're, you know, we're using the term crazy and the book is in terms of, 
you know, the bad hair days or someone, you know, calling you crazy as a put down for an idea that you might mm -hmm. have. And, you know, it's, it's what all these mad women in the book are about, but we also, we don't want to dis diminish that there are actually times when our feelings, whether they're these feelings of isolation or low self-esteem, when it really is serious and where it really needs to be recognized and we might want to reach out for help. So, you know, what's the, what's the line there from yeah. when you say, you know, this is more than just having a bad hair day. I came across this great quote recently that said, it's just a bad hair day. It's not a bad life. So if you can somehow understand that you're having a bad hair day, but it doesn't mean your life is entirely bad. We all have bad moments. And I think the problem is instead of seeing that as normal and natural for us to have a range of emotions, we start to view ourselves as not living life successfully because we consider happy successful. And that's not entirely true either. We need all of our emotions. In general, people choose therapy when or should really consider therapy if they're going through a two week period of time where they notice a change in their appetite, their sleeping patterns, they can't feel any differently. It's really paralyzing for a long, prolonged period of time that seems atypical for themselves. So that would be the clinical reason to call your doctor and find out what's going on. Because at that point, you really need a medical professional to weigh in. So you can go to your internist first, you can go to a therapist, you can go to a psychiatrist just to go out and seek help. In terms of therapy, it's a, it's a more nuanced question because the way I view therapy and the way I recommend therapy, even, even to my own children, is why wouldn't you want to work with an expert where you can share all of your thoughts and have a neutral person look at your life with you. Therapy speeds up the process, the learning process, and can help you make choices that lead you to a happier life because a lot of our life is based on the choices that we make. So I think just even being curious about therapy or feeling like, hey, I'm not really making choices. I'm not really living the life I want to live, or I'm not feeling as good as I think I can feel, or I'm using all the tools in my toolbox and it's not advancing me in the way that I would like it to, I say, hey, it's similar to personal training. You know, why wouldn't you want to do it? You don't have to be obese in order to want a physical trainer. So I think any reason is a good reason to go for therapy. I may be biased in that regard, um, but there's a real range. Just being curious about learning about yourself is a good reason to pick up the phone and make an appointment. Well, thank you. And that's a really important message to, to deliver, especially in these times when um, certainly um, mental health issues have you yeah. know, been even more pronounced than, than even in the past. So thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us, Dr. Robbie Ludwig. Thank you. And now, that was great. Now I'm going to move over to Maya. Maya, you are an extraordinary singer, which you're all going to get to experience before we leave here today. You have a four octave range, I believe. <laughs> and you've also used your gift as you perform around the world by writing and performing songs that inspire people. And... The other thing that I really admire about you is that you've used your personal experiences, particularly 
as you have been a victim of domestic violence and you have been very outspoken about that and you've been using that experience to um, empower other women. So let's talk about your music and what inspires you. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, as a, as a songwriter, um, one of the main things that inspires me is inspiration, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, so what I feel is that music is my calling. It's, it's not just a, a professional career. And um, as an empath, you know, I feel um, deeply and strongly about wanting to help other people. And uh, it's always been that way since I was a child. You know, I, I can feel things. I'm very sensitive in my own life, but I'm very sensitive and aware of other people's pain. And I just want to get inside and I want to like do something to support and help. And I realized that uh, music is what I reach for. And that, that's my superpower. It's my ability to um, use what I have access to, to support and help other people. And this means that I consciously apply my power. I write for songs that I feel um, really reflect on um, strong themes that I believe in um, and also telling uh, the stories of women that I've met all around the world, um, representing their voices through my own songs. Um, so all of this kind of integrates um, using my music as a tool for activism not only for entertainment is an important thing for me. Well, and that's very powerful. And one of the things <clears> I <throat> want to ask you about too, and, and every time I say these statistics and I've been quoting them for many years, it, they still startle me, but one in four women experience physical violence by an intimate partner at some point during their lifetime, one in four, and about one in three experience some form of sexual violence during their lifetimes. And by the yes. way, this is another issue that women need to talk about and speak up about. Some women are embarrassed or ashamed of that. They need not to do that. They need to discuss. And by the way, that's another thing, which was, you know, during the lockdown, it was very, very sad because that was also violence was against women's was one of the things that was also, um, increased on the, on the on the uptick as well but <clears throat> you decided to, to to share your your very you know personal experiences with this which you know bravo to you and just tell us a little bit about why um, that was so important to you okay uh so first of all um i really reflected a lot on, on how did a strong woman find herself in a, a violent psychotic relationship uh, part of the reason I didn't realize, it's strange, it's very obvious that I was in an abusive relationship, you know, and you're with a person that's using a knife on you, or like, I have cuts on my neck and it chokes me on a regular basis. It's pretty obvious that it's an abusive relationship. But I had this idea in my mind that I'm strong. So I'm strong, I can handle it. And it, it's really a mental trick, you know, um, I viewed someone in an abusive relationship to be someone who was afraid and not uh, able to leave. And in my position, I was like, I can handle this. And after years, it was like God saying to me, yes, yes, you are strong. Yes, you can handle this. But why? Why are you taking this burden on? Why are you allowing yourself to be in this position? And um, I often make up little quotes that help me and I share them with other people. 
Um, a survivor is someone, um, excuse me, a victim is someone whose power was taken away from them. A survivor is someone who's made it through to the other side and has something to celebrate because they've been through it. They've gone through it, but they're on the other side. But a warrior is the person that takes their power back. We don't realize how much we hold on to the pains that are, or the wounds that are within us. And we keep imagining ourselves to be victims uh, and not understanding that we are able to reclaim our power. We are able to reclaim it and take it back um, and not to give it away. Um, and that psychology, um, I think, if you realize that you are capable of affecting your own life by reclaiming the power, because we start to cut and paste that dynamic into every area of our life, including work, where um, we don't feel seen, we don't feel uh, heard, we don't feel empowered. And um, reclaiming uh, power is, starts within just knowing that other people's opinions of you need not control you. Other people ignoring you need not control you making a decision to do something or not to do something. You know, I am like that, that movie, I don't remember the movie, it's about baseball. Anyway, they, they keep saying, build it and they will come. <laughs> build it and they will come. There will be people that don't believe in you and don't see you, but when you succeed, everyone suddenly recognizes your success and sees you. You have to believe before anyone else does. And so reclaiming the power is part of that, not allowing that being marginalized to define you. You define you, you know? Well, Maya, that's so, that's so powerful. And I guarantee you that right now on this call, you've probably helped at least one woman listening because every time I have done um, any event around the topic of violence against women, um, or around you know all the issues that you have just discussed. Almost every time I have had someone later reach out to me and say, you know that changed my life. So and I know you probably have done that today, and you have probably helped countless, countless other women. So thank you for being, you know, such a strong advocate around this topic. And now I know we have a real treat because it just ties in with so many of the themes that we've been talking about today and how we feel. And it's a performance of an absolutely beautiful and powerful song that you wrote called Prettiest. So tell us, just introduce the song and then everybody's gonna get to hear it. Why, thank you. Um, you know, kind of leading up to, to introducing Prettiest, um, I have a life theme, which is, you know, it's a seal song, which is, you're never gonna survive unless you get a little crazy. It is giving yourself the permission to not be perfect all the time. First of all, it's a losing battle. It is not possible to be perfect all the time. It's not possible. So if you allow yourself permission to be a little crazy, it takes the pressure out, steam out, and, and less judgment of ourselves. Uh, it's normal to not be okay sometimes. And there's another misconception that I think we all have, many people have, which is, that we're supposed to be 
feeling good and okay at all times. That is not normal. It is normal to have a bad day. It's normal to not feel great sometimes. And to give yourself that permission is important. Prettiest, the song that I wrote, is about this notion of beauty. And, and, and I believe that the kind of beauty that uh, lasts from the moment you're born into the moment you leave us is inner beauty. Understanding that your inner power is what makes you feel and be your prettiest. So that's the nature of the song. Prettiest is your truest beauty is something that resonates from within you. And if you understand that, you will, you will operate from a place of power and feel so beautiful, so pretty. <laughs> Like I'm the prettiest, 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 prettiest 
Um, that is, that's fantastic. Maya, you are such a gift to all of us. So thank you for being who you are and sharing your wisdom, your philosophy, and your incredible talent with everyone here today. You're so special. Thank you. So yeah, so now I want to go back to our other special ladies, and that's back to our Know You're Crazy team. And we talked a little bit about earlier, actually, Renee mentioned that she had, during this process, she had created a little surprise. And that's actually this incredible, beautiful box set of all the prints. So tell everyone about them because it is, they're really extraordinary. Yes. Um, so while I came back to Texas and was, you know, we were deciding how to present this fabulous art, um, which Viv calls, and I love her catalog of emotions. Um, that's kind of what the book represents is just a catalog of emotions. If the book represents a catalog of emotions, then this box set, which we designed is like an art exhibit in a box. It's actually 59, um, fine art prints in a beautifully embossed, um, box. The boxes are numbered and, it houses all of the prints and it houses the book and it works well as a coffee table book, a coffee table piece so that you open it up and it can be your conversation piece or just something beautiful to have in your home. You could also take the images out and, and frame them because they're frameable. They are, um, they're, they're on archival paper. They're ready to frame just as they are. They're great gifts, but the box set when we, when I presented it to Viv and Cindy in, in New York, um, Cindy says she kind of blew this up Texas style. They, they <laughs> didn't know what was coming. And, and we all loved it and we were all on board with it. And then COVID hit. And so, you know, these box sets would have been at every live event we did and every, and now, so they've kind of come secondary to the book, which was never really the intention. Um, they're beautiful sets and for $250, Cindy, if I'm wrong, tell me, um, or $295, something like that, you get these 59 pieces of art plus a book, plus this beautiful box set. And, and, it, and it's just, it really is just a little art exhibit. It's, it's really beautifully done. And it was a great way to exhibit Viv's art and her little mad women and and it's just super fun and it's fun to have around. So I hope you guys will check it, it out. It's so great, Renee, what you did. And I actually happened to be lucky enough that I was gifted with a set of these and they're mm -hmm. extraordinary. And I'm actually in the process of, um, I'm picking out some of my favorites to frame and I, they're gonna be in my, in, my, uh, in my office. So I'm very excited okay. about that. And then I just wanna let, put another little plug in here because here's, here's a great way that you could get this box set right now because I'm involved with a um, nonprofit uh, organization that's called Plan International and they work in over 70 countries around the world for the rights of girls. And right now we're doing a fabulous online auction and the team here has, has generously donated a box set of the prints. 
And you can go there right now and bid on it. And it's a win-win for everyone because not only are you going to help girls around the world, but you'll get this incredible, beautiful box set of prints. And I think we just put up the um, the link to that auction too. And can I say, Cheryl, real quick on the box set? These box yeah. sets come numbered and they also come with an authenticity sheet signed by Bib. And so they're pretty valuable little um, exactly. There, if there's only 500, right? There's 500 in the yes. set. So, and yeah, numbered. So. so for art collectors, it's a cool piece. Yeah, absolutely. They're 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 just beautiful. So now I want to move back over to Vivian because because as I said when we started this, I said it, the know you're crazy is so much more than just a book and the art and you've heard so much of that today it, but it really is a movement and it's so exciting because they are doing so much stuff this team i am so happy to have gotten to know these amazing ladies but they're doing so much around all of this and um there's an anthem now that goes with this movement and we're going to actually premiere it the world premiere is today i'm not sure if it's actually the world premiere but I think it's it's certainly Women's History Month world premiere. So Vivian, tell us a little bit about the song and then you're going to hear it and I promise you're going to love it. But no, last year I was working on a lot of a cappella versions of a few songs um, um, amongst which were Hold Your Head Up um, written by Chris White and Rod Argent. And when we started um, an Indiegogo campaign, it seemed like the perfect opportunity to put together an all-female a cappella version of this song, which is like an anthem to women, um, the resilience and the strength of women. And um, so that was part of the Indiegogo campaign, actually. And it, and it was a huge hit in the 70s, right? People might have missed that. It was a huge hit in the 70s for Argent. And um, the what we what you will hear now is still the demo version but it is evolving and hopefully this will be the last that you hear of it there'll be um you know more there's more aspects to it than you will hear right now um but this is what we have right now and it's yes it's a perfect anthem for the know you're crazy group <laughs>